Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed Episode 320 is recorded live February 23rd, 2017. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan. Joining me this week, we have Kevin Ailes. How are you doing today, Kevin? I'm doing excellent, Darren. And yourself? I'm doing great. And hopefully at some point in time, we'll have Mac jump on in. We're not sure he was with us right before the pre-show. We can hear him great, but his headphone was cutting in or out. So we're going to have to take a look at that, see what's going on. So hopefully he'll jump back in. But we are just a few days away from Our World Underwater, kind of the first big dive show of the season. Uh, That's going to be in Chicago, Illinois. That's this Saturday, the 25th. I think it actually starts tomorrow, the 24th, and it will run through Sunday. Uh, This year they're doing things a little different. They normally on Friday have a, a movie video night, and they change it, and they've got a party. I got the email to it. I'm not going to be able to go into town just for that, but be interesting trying to get a little bit more of the social elements of the dive show so hopefully that works out uh, the plan is now and hopefully i get this edited in time that people can hear it but uh, jim is going to be there it sounds like friday kevin mac and i are going to be there saturday so hopefully if you're in the area and you're going to the dive show you'll be able to see us uh, kevin i understand we have shirts yeah you'll be able to recognize us by our shirts uh we have uh, yeah, just just a T-shirt. It'll have the uh, Scuba Obsessed logo across the back. It'll say Scuba Obsessed both front and back. So uh should be easy to pick out. Do you guys want to do the ma- – we got them in red and black. Well, red or black. Uh, you guys want to wear the matching – I guess the reds are probably catching eyes a little better, but it's up to you. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter to me. I, I mean, which I haven't seen either well, of them yet, so – Let's, let's just wear the, tell our listeners we're wearing the black ones. We'll, we'll be the men in black up there, all right? Okay, that sounds good. So so the black scuba obsessed t-shirts. I'm kind of kind of excited. I've, I've wanted to do this for a while now, and it just hasn't all lined together, but you you had a good idea of getting that moving. So, Well, you know, hey, it's a, you know an awful lot of divers there, and it's just a good way to get the uh, name out about, about the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's keep on promoting it, you know. Yep. We're, we're growing a little bit each week. We're getting a few more downloads here and there. Uh, we're getting some real cool guests here and there. We got uh, Craig Rich lined up on uh, March 16th. Um, I've had yeses from a number of other people who are interested in guesting on our show. Just haven't had a lot of commitment to this point. You're kind of busy with, with shows and things coming up. But uh, I can tell you, you know, between now and uh, start of summer, we're going to have a number of folks coming through here, which will be well worth tuning in for. Okay. That sounds, that sounds excellent. Looking forward to having some guests on our goal is to have you know, one or two each month spread them out throughout the season and and hopefully we get some good diving in because i that's what we all look forward to well you know the water's opening up i mean i know that the uh ski resorts are really crying about this warm-up we had and it's, it's also probably not going to be real good for the uh, farmers with the orchards no but for us divers you know uh i don't know uh saw an aerial shot of uh, Gull Lake just the other day in one of the Gull Lake Facebook posts. And, you know, Gull is like 80% open. Yeah. Uh, I know I know that most of your more shallow lakes are already wide open. Um, there's plenty of places to go diving now. The yeah. rivers tend to have a current a little bit stiff. We, we, we did some diving river last week, which we'll get into later. Um, current was kind of wicked there, but manageable. Um, you know, there's diving to be had now, guys. Let, let's do it. Yes, I agree. And with the snow have been off the ground for a while, if we can go a period of five or six days without rain, the river should be pretty clear. Uh, typically this time of year, we, we're starting to get melt off uh, during the day as the sun heats up, and so that can make it crappy all the way through May. But uh, we we may have some decent river conditions again. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have an awful lot of snow this year, so there really is not that much to melt. 
pretty much, pretty much everything gets melted, unless you're talking about the ice mountains, the ice mountains in Walmart's parking lot. Those are still there, but yeah. everything else is going real fast. So I'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room. We have Eric, we have S. Nelson, we have Karen, and then we have Guest 5. I don't know. Do we know who Guest 5 is? But I was asking Guest 5 to identify themselves, and they're incognito tonight. Uh, yeah. Yeah, say, so. So, so just listening in. So we appreciate them all the same that they decided to come on and, and listen in the chat room. Uh, also like to thank our Patreon supporters. And this week, well, I don't say this week, Within the next couple of weeks, I'm hoping to do a poll, and uh, I think I'll wait it. You know, our Patreon supporters will get maybe, well, maybe we'll count them as two or five or ten votes. I haven't decided yet. But we have had some feedback, and over the years I've had this uh, a few different times, uh, where we, we do the bumpers in between uh, the segments, and I, I need to have some more bumpers. But one of them is uh, early on I thought that that tugboat horn would be kind of nice, and about once a year, I get an email from somebody saying, hey, love the show, but, and it's usually that horn, they say, drives them nuts uh, when they're when they're commuting. They, they think a semi is coming barreling down on them. And so I, I had changed it a little bit, you know, uh, changed the, the sound and the volume to make it a little bit more subtle. And I do listen in my car all the time, but I'm usually not on the highway at the, the moment when that comes in. So uh, the poll will be asking people if they like that sound or think if we change it. And if you think it needs to be changed, then you need to tell us what it needs to be changed into. You just can't say you don't like it and be done with it. You know, we're we're, we're treating our Patreon supporters as, as producers. So as a producer, what would you like to see in its place? Or even better yet, send us some audio that should be used in its place. Uh, it's not tough to do. You can download Audacity, which is free software, and do some mixing and matching and come up with something. So uh, we'll we'll look at that. And also, if you have any ideas for other bumpers of the show, uh, we, we, we need to put those together. But anything anybody like to contribute would certainly be appreciated. So on that, let's go ahead and get started. Jump right on into the news. And I say that I don't have any articles queued up yet. So let's get that done. Well. So this first one, I think, is scuba diver almost dies when a ship's propeller appears out of nowhere. Scuba diver came horrifyingly close to almost certain death when a huge freighter appeared just meters above his head. The video shows the diver swimming near the ocean floor when a mysterious black shape suddenly appears moves directly above his head the sheer size of it drowns out the sun's rays but soon the moment soon to, uh, turns dangerous and the ship's propeller comes hurtling towards him and that would be <laughs> wow wow hey, look, I'm, I'm looking at the photo yeah. and that uh, he managed to duck out of the way and escapes unharmed from the terrifying encounter that is a huge one uh, the clip took well, place in St. Clair yeah, yeah. River yeah. in Central North America has been seen more than 153,000 times. It's posted on YouTube. Users commented in their thousands with many understandably venting their absolute terror. Catch the Nope Factory. I'm making a bulk order, one comically wrote. Another said absolutely terrifying. Now, um, that's a normal dive well, spot for the club. What's that? Yeah. No. Who, who was this? Because we know a lot of people that dive the St. Clair River area. Mm-hmm. Do we have a name for this diver yet? Uh, they're not saying. I mean, uh, in the article, because um, we've got a bunch of people that dive in that area. Yeah. Um, yeah. It and it and it's normal. They they it it comes with the expectation if you're there, freighters are coming. And I've heard uh, Mac and the dive club used to be a normal routine to go over and dive the St. Clair, and that's part of it. You got freighters, and what you did is you were prepared to duck to the bottom to have that happen and you can hear it coming it's a, there's a there's a force of that freighter coming there you can hear the propeller and yeah it can be close and you want to be out of the way you know it doesn't care you're uh diving in a shipping channel so that can happen well yeah you've got your dive flag up but but they they, they can't see it or they don't care or whatever but no, uh, no, the dive, know, we, we may have right right away but we're gonna lose no, the, the, I don't. I actually don't think we have right away in this particular channel. I think that they. If you got your, if you got your flag out now, technically you really shouldn't be diving in a way that's you know going to block a navigational channel. But right. you got your flag out, you got right away. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Well, it's big. <laughs> I, so. I wonder, you know, if he had to go home and change his dry suit underwear. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he maybe next time he goes in, he realizes that, that could happen. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering who this is because we know a lot of people that, that dive in that area. I mean, uh, you know, this Ed Johnsick or Tracy Click or who do we got over here? We know a lot of folks that dive in this area. Well, Dave, so Dave Tottenham, Rich Sinewick. You know, they're, they're, that's mm-hmm. all normal haunts for those guys. Mm-hmm. Just muting some tabs and... See, the next one we have is Qatar is saying that there's a huge demand for scuba diving courses. Scuba diving is high in demand and more people, especially Qatarians, Qataris, I guess that's what you call them, engage in recreational diving. And scuba diving instructor recently said, like many parts of the world, more people in Qatar, especially young Qataris, are becoming interested in scuba diving, exploring Qatar's marine life. Most Qataris, yeah, Qataris in general, the uh penchant for scuba diving because Qatar is a peninsula. It's surrounded by water. Each house contains something related to sea, such as a speedboat, fishing rod, fishing nets, and snorkeling equipment. Qataris have a strong relationship to the sea. They love the water, so they like scuba diving. Uh, Zaki, the uh, dive instructor, has been scuba diving for 25 years, a decade of which has been spent teaching diving enthusiasts. I've been been in Qatar since 2000, diving almost every day and certifying more than 3,500 Qataris to be scuba divers. Uh, if I show people photos, they won't believe they're taking Qatar. These people, these photos raise people's consciousness and the importance of marine life makes them more connected with the environment that we live in. So makes sense. Plus, I think as far as countries in that part of the world, Qatar is uh, not doing too bad. They've got a fairly decent economy and uh, educated and financially influential uh, citizens. So seems like that'd be a good place for diving. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We've talked about, about Qatar before. That seems to be a popular place for diving. Yeah, it certainly has the uh, enough financially comfortable people to do it. Of course, we know around here you don't necessarily have to be too comfortable to do it, and there's ways to right. do it a little bit on the cheap. Yeah. Well, I, I think I can pitch, pick a few countries that probably not good idea to go scuba diving in the next five years. You know, I'm thinking, uh, even though there is some fairly decent diving there, Syria might not be something you want on your diving list. I'm also thinking that maybe Somalia would be a good place to avoid if you're yeah. diving. Any of, any of those places that have got like revolutions and yeah, yeah. S- Sudan. Not that I think that there's a whole lot of diving going on there, but that might be another one that you might not plan on booking your diving vacation there. But Qatar, that certainly that looks like a a nice place to go and get some diving in. And then the next article we have. Oh, and I'm I'm bad to the chat room tonight. Oh, somebody says no, oh, you're you're pasting. You're, you're, I've been, I'm cutting and pasting. I'm not quite quick enough here, but, but, but they're getting them. So. Okay. Sorry, guys. I'm not real fast. At this <laughs> uh, we have a World War I-era explosives being removed from a sunken vessel off Eucolette, if I said that right. Even though I'm over the sickness, my voice is, is cracking a little bit. Um, a, an historic cache of explosives is uh, scheduled to be plucked off the deep near Vancouver Island, HMCS Thurpval. A turn-of-the-century battle-class trawler struck ground when patrolling the broken group of islands near Usulet and slipped beneath the waves 87 years ago. In her decades below the surface, it became a popular scuba diving attraction, but also protected national site. In the 70s, shipwreck became part of the Pacific Rim National Park Reserve and was shielded from demolition. In early June, Navy divers are slated to remove everything from 12-pound shells to rifle bullets from the waterlogged relic. Chief Petty Officer Alexander McNeish said divers will explore the wreck in March. Preliminary goals of surveys determine the integrity of the ship and the amount and type of unexploded ordnance. Uh, the HMCS Thiepval uh, Thiep was built in 1917, served during the First World War One, First World War on Canada's east coast before moving west to Vancouver Island, where she patrolled for submarines until her sinking in 1930. Once explosives are removed, the Navy will release the site to Parks Canada and a dedicated scuba divers. So if divers have already been diving, why are they, why are they all of a sudden so worried about? Well, I mean, if the stuff is there, <clears throat> I mean, I imagine uh, it, perhaps a diver found it and said, hey, we got to take care of this. Hmm. And and before, they didn't know it was there. And now they know it's there, they, they, they have to do something about it or be liable for it. I guess that's it. If you're going to promote it, you don't want 
you know, the, the first time somebody, you know, hits their dive knife against the side of a shell and it goes up, then that would be a, uh, they may, could be feel a little bit responsible, even though I would, I would think is a, it's a good rule of thumb is don't hit the bombs. Yeah, but we're divers, you know, it's like, hey, it's been down here for 87 years. My little dive knife isn't going to set it off, but I'll sure scare my friend. Watch, tap, 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 boom. Yeah. Oops. Well, well, maybe you could ride it. You know, you could just like you know, like straddle it, and you you hit. You know, is it, is it like a a shotgun shell? We get a primer, just you know, smack it. Why don't it, you show us? Show show you how it's you done. How it's done? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm thinking I might not really be the first one to sign up for that. <laughs> you might be the last. Yeah, it might be. Last thing you'll ever do. Guam is to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the SMS Cormoran scuttling. On February, April 1st, 2017, the Guam Visitors Bureau will commemorate the 100th anniversary of the scuttling of the SMS Cormoran. Two, the Peace Memorial will include a series of, emotion, of educational, promotional, and diving opportunities to expose the public to the history of the German ship and connection to Guam prior to World War One. The Cormoran's incredible story includes being part of the first shot fired by the United States upon entering World War One on April 7, uh, 7, 1917. Now it became part of the world's most unique diving sites. Initially came to Guam in December 1914 out of coal and weary from avoiding enemies through the Pacific. While the U.S. is not involved in World War I, Guam's military governor decided against refueling the vessel but did allow the German sailors to come aboard. The Cormoran and her crew stayed in Guam for two and a half years, becoming very friendly to the people until the day the United States officially entered World War I. On that day, the U.S. now at war with Germany, the Guam military governor ordered Captain Albert Zuckschwert to surrender to the Cormoran. Unaware of the new conditions, a supply boat returning to the Cormoran with supplies failed to stop and ordered by a U.S. sailor who then fired a warning shot over its bow. This is the first official shot fired in the U.S. in World War One. Rather than surrender his ship, the captain decided it would be more patriotic to scuttle her instead, which he did for the next 26 years. It lay undisturbed on the seafloor until August 27, 1943, on this day, U.S. submarines torpedoed the uh, Toki Maru, a Japanese freighter, during World War II. The Toki Maru came to rest perpendicular against the Cormoran. The two ships are the only place in the world where divers can touch shipwrecks from two world wars at the same time. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. The commemoration 100th year since the scuttling will include several dive packages to, to Guam. Divers and visitors will participate in dive tours to the historic wreck site. History lectures at the Guam Museum and T. Shell Newman Information Center exhibits inclusion and special ceremonies. There will be a wreath-laying ceremony at the sea and at a monument in the U.S. Naval Cemetery in Hakna, where six sailors who perished during the scuttling of the Cormoran are buried. Guam has a well-established reputation as a site of outstanding scuba diving. Guam Visitors Bureau regularly promotes the island's underwater clarity, beautiful ski scapes, marine life to diving enthusiasts at the largest dive shows like the Dive Equipment Manufacturing Association, DEMA, Marine Dive Fair in Tokyo, Asian Dive Expo, and Singapore Scuba Show in Long Beach. Dive enthusiasts are excited to learn about the sites like the Blue Hole, the Crevice, but historic sites from World Wars like Twin Shipwrecks always captivate. Yeah, I, that that looks cool. I didn't realize that those those two were right there near together. Mm -hmm. Now I'm, I'm picturing Guam is not exactly an easy place just to kind of decide I'm I'm going to go to. Mm -hmm. Now Eric is asking what depth. Now, I'm not seeing anything here about the about the depth we're looking at, but I would think just due to the kind of being isolated, this is not likely a place they're planning tech dives. If it's a popular place to to dive. You know, we could probably extrapolate that it's something well within sport depth. So. Okay, well, we're going to take advantage of our wonderful Internet connection, and we'll find out exactly find out exactly how deep it is. So it's directed us to a website called Scuba Guam, and the 290-foot Cormoran lays 120 feet in 120 feet of water on our left port side. Wreck is a good like wreck dive for nitrox divers because the average depth between 80 feet and 110 feet. And Karen's given us some more information here. Karen Mann has pulled up uh, 
Tokai Maru shipwreck, 120 feet of water, 37 meters under the water, listed on the U.S. National Register of Historic Places, as is the shipwreck of SMS uh, Cormoran. Excellent. Well, thank you, Karen. So very nice. And I guess Eric looked it up, too. Okay, Eric's got the article off of Wikipedia here posted. Puts it at 110 feet. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's, it's within sport depth, um, kind saying, of at the limit of sport depth, but it's there. Yeah, and they're saying the average visibility is 25 to 40 feet, and I would think it'd actually be a little bit better than that. And looking at the, the yeah, photos no. I'm seeing, it it looks looks like a little bit better vis than that. Well, I'm surprised being in salt water, you think it would be, I mean, we, of course, we always have this, we imagine salt water is always going to be a 100-foot vis, but, you know, it's... Yeah. It, it might only be seventy foot this, you know. So. Yeah. Well, it's all those 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 fancy colors in the warm water that distracts you. Yeah, it makes it hard to, to visualize. I'm sure that's what's going. No, it's it's the shark circling you, stirring <laughs> yeah. stirring up all the silt. Yeah. And not to be although. Out, go ahead. Although, just so I don't have Rob Noel yelling at me, the sharks won't bother you down there. The sharks are our friends. They kind of ignore us. Sharks are cool. So I don't want to get anyone getting any visions of Jaws and spear guns. Sharks are our friends. Don't yeah. worry about them. They're, they're yeah. cool. My, the, the strategy you employ around sharks is don't look like food, and you slip the herring into your dive buddy's pocket. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> That's why Karen won't dive with me anymore. So. Yeah. Well, Albania wants to show off its shipwreck from 6th century B.C. cargo ships to World War II wrecks. The Balkan nation is attempting to boost tourism by highlighting the underwater archaeology. Albania may not be the crack list for top scuba diving destinations. In fact, it even it doesn't even have a scuba diving industry. A new exhibit of photographs in the nation's capital uh, showing wrecks discovered by the Balkan nation's coastline over the last decade aims to make underwater archaeology part of its tourism. Since 2007, a non-profit, Leisler Semini at Associated Press talks about the RPM Nautical Foundation, which in association with the Albanian government has surveyed one-third of Albanian's coast, part of the ancient region known as to the Romans as was it Illyria? I-L-L-Y-R-I-A. Illyria. So far they have discovered 38 previously unknown shipwrecks at the bottom of the Ionian Sea, including six boats that are at least 2,000 years old in total. The wrecks along the 220-mile stretch of the coast date from 6th century B.C. until World War II. Uh, now, I can tell you in the Great Lakes, we are not diving on 2,000-year-old shipwrecks. Yeah, but I'm kind of wondering what kind of condition these guys are in. I mean, you know, generally, when you got salt water for that length of time, I mean, unless you're talking extremely, extremely deep, uh, I think we're probably just going to be looking at a pile of amphoras. Or, right, uh, exactly. It's going to be what was in the wreck that doesn't break down, not the wreck itself. So you may see, yeah. you know, ballast stones, whatever the version of anchor was at that time. You know, sometimes it can be a rock with a hole drilled into it. Or, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I wouldn't mind doing a dive to see, you know, two thousand year old ballast stones. I'm, I'm good with that. You know, this uh, yeah. was stuff that's that old, and this, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of a. Uh, you know, archaeological and historical significance to, to these wrecks. I'm not all belittling them. Um, just saying they're, they're probably they're not going to be as cool of boats as we have here, but they're going to be, you know, even more historically significant than we have. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, RPM began surveying the coast. It was considered one of the last unexplored coastlines in the world. Jeff Royal, archaeological director of RPM, told... Uh, Eric Powell at Archaeology, that virtually nothing is known about the cultural resources in the waters off Albania. Over the last decade, RPM has discovered Greek and Roman cargo ships, including 6th century ships from Corinth, which carry goods like wine and roofing tiles to its colonies. Yeah, interesting. If you get the chance, you know, so they had some nice photos in the article, and uh, we'll have the article on the website so you can take a peek. But, yeah, like, like you said, it's, it's a lot of amphora. Uh, oh, there's but there are some there's some World War II looks like a bomber sitting there in the bottom. That's that could be interesting to dive on. Oh yeah, yeah. And then here's an article that you uh, found earlier: uh, the lost Panzer Division and the wreck of the Marburg is full of German tanks and guns. Let's see. 
As the story goes, on May 21st, 1941, Germans had concluded the invasion of the mainland Greece, codenamed Operation Rita, and were in the process of attacking the island of Crete with an airborne assault that initiated the day before on May 20th, codenamed Operation Mercru. The German armored divisions that participated in Blitzkrieg against Greece were now needed on the eastern front as Germany was gearing up for the invasion of the Soviet Union. And rather than taking the long way, to the front overland, they chose a much quicker way. They ferried from the port of Patras, Greece, across the Adriatic Sea to the port of uh, Taranto, back to Italy. The large contingent. Hey, Darren? Yep. Darren, can I interrupt real quick? Yep. I'm having a hard time posting the link into the chat room. Mm-hmm. Maybe you might have better luck than I do. For some reason, I try to share the link, and it doesn't want to want to bleed through. So if you could real quick post the link to the chat room, yep. if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, I've got it there now. Do you? Okay, great. Yeah. yeah, I just, I shared it like three times. It didn't show up, but they'll probably get a whole bunch of shortly here. But yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll catch up. So a large contingent of the 2nd Panzer Division was loaded in the port of Patrius aboard the transport ships with the final destination of the port in Taranto, Italy, was a decision that would cost the Germans dearly. Um, and then they go on. And, and this is this is actually a good article if you're into history, but... The the ship and the cargo went largely unknown. People didn't realize what happens. And then a researcher from the Italian, uh, uh, who's looking for at photos in in the Italian archives, uh, noticed the uh, a photo with of the coastline, and there was a, a vessel on fire. So he went back and uh, looked to identify it, and was able to piece it together to say that that had to be that vessel. Yeah, not only that, but they were able to look at the photograph, and there's a lighthouse visible in the photograph, which is there today. They're able to use the topography to pinpoint where that boat was, and boom, put them right on it. I'm, I'm not sure if they, they used sonar or, dra- or drag lines or not or what, but they were able to basically find it based upon this old photograph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they used uh, sonar equipment. You go a little bit farther down, uh, and, and it looks like a nice uh, towfish they were using. Uh, they dropped it down, they, and you can see it right there, uh, broken in two pieces and full of German tanks. Uh, the Mar- Marburg ended at a depth of 300 meters, broken in two pieces. Despite the fact that depth does not allow scuba divers to examine the wreck, valuable cargo tanks and other military equipment of the 2nd Panzer Division is still possible. ROVs will be able to visit unique shipwreck and bring back to the surface unique images of the tanks lost at sea. So they've they've identified where it is. They know pretty close, and hopefully somebody will get an ROV down there. That'd be it's perfect. They've they've done the hard work. Now it's just a matter of taking the pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they know where it is. It's just not something that uh, I mean, theoretically you could you could put a diver on that, but you know I don't think anyone wants to go through the you know what nine twelve hours of deco to go to that kind of depth. So I don't see it happening anytime yeah, soon. I, I would do an ROV. I mean, I think if you had ROV and it was just amazing photos, then you might get some you know tech guys who want a challenge to go take a look down there. Yeah, but I don't know that that, that kind of that kind of depth. Um, I don't know the math on it exactly, but I, I'm guessing between nine and eleven hours worth of deco just to just do a bounce on that baby. So yep. well, a saturation dive. Well, yeah. Well, Asia. The only way to do it. Yep. Yeah. Well, Asia is opening its first diving pool hotel. This is in uh, Taichung, Taiwan. First diving pool dive cube hotel opened Sunday with a 21-meter deep pool, gin clear filtered water, elaborate caves, and a 10-meter and a window to look out of the city while underwater. That's actually kind of cool looking. It was selected as one of the top 100 destinations by Euromonitor earlier this year. The hotel was confident with the tourism industry and decided to open in the city. This according to the mayor of uh, Taichung. He expressed anticipation of the opening of the Dive Cube Hotel, which could attract diving enthusiasts nationwide and even worldwide to visit the city. I mean, that's cool. If I was in Asia and I got a chance for a stopover, I'd, I'd take a peek in there. Yeah. I'm in the neighborhood. I don't know if I'm making a special trip for it, but it's cool. No, no. Yeah. 
Now, at first, the prices seem kind of high, but I think I just need to do a little bit of math for the translation. So this hotel provides activities and rental equipment for scuba diving, free diving, and wedding photography, with a price ranging from 2500 for every 30 minutes. So I'm, I'm guessing that's not U.S. dollars. Uh, a room in the hotel is 1800 to $6,000, of the rooms for two, four, and six people. Let me take a look and do the translation. Figure out what NT, so Taiwan, Taiwan, NT, U.S. dollar. So 2500 Taiwan dollars is equal to 81, almost 82 U.S. dollars. All right. Yeah, so it's a little bit more, a little bit more affordable. A little bit more affordable, still a little, little pricey, I would think. But but then you do the math on the uh, the hotel. So yeah, for the hotel, it's it wasn't that that much, and mm-hmm. and I bet you they got some packages. You can probably get some stuff combined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here's something I wasn't expecting, but the world's deepest cool could be happening, and it will help people. The current deepest pool in the world can be found. At a facility in Italy, but a local to us here in the Midwest person, man, is going to try and change that. Jim Elliott, founder of Dive Heart, a nonprofit organization that works with individuals providing them educational scuba diving programs, is working with city officials to build a 150-foot deep warm water pool in Aurora, Illinois, a city real near to Chicago medical research institutions, which could be used for research, rehabilitation, educational training purposes. The therapeutic benefits of the underwater activity have long been helping those with illness and disabilities, and Dive Heart has been a major proponent of the cause. Dive Heart works with people with physical and developmental disabilities, injuries, impairments, post-traumatic stress disorder, and more, providing them with no gravity physical therapy environment where everyone is equal. Elliot chose 150 feet for a couple of reasons. To do technical diving, at least you need at least 130 feet. This would definitely help the facility obtain more commercial opportunities. He also found out that the 137-foot deep pool in Italy, and it just straight up was like, why not go deeper? Why not? Indeed, it's going to be build a really deep pool. You might as well build the deepest pool in the whole world. So, And this was out of uh, photors.com. So we might bump into Jim Elliott. He's uh, usually stops at the dive show. I don't know if he's going to be at a booth, but I expect to see Dive Heart there. So maybe we can get a chance to ask him about that. That's a that'd be very nice. Yeah, I'm thinking the link may have changed. I posted that in the chat room, and it's pulling up uh, Fodder's travel, but a little bit, but quite a bit different stuff here. So yeah, here, let me uh, paste it. Yeah, uh, look, it looks like oh, I I see what's going on here. Oh, there it's. Yeah, it's it's too it's too long. So what I'm going to do is we'll paste. There's about six characters that it trimmed off. Is what happened. So if you take ah. that link and you add dash one two three one four to it, it will start to work. Gotcha. So it, yeah, it's just some of these links are just too long, and, th- and that's uh, photos. That's just how they organize their website. Uh, by area, because if you look at the URL, it goes World, North America, USA, Illinois, Chicago, Experience News, and then it has the entire title of the article, and so you, it just doesn't fit in the chat room. But yeah, I was kind of surprised people talk about that. But that's my thinking too. I've wanted to do something on this side of the state just to be a, a dive destination, and that was one of the items. You know how how economically can you build a pool down to that? Of course, yeah, there's going to be some. Yeah, if, there's gonna be some bucks no matter how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. If they do 150 feet, I think we need to do, you know, 170. So. And then someone else is gonna do 175. Yeah. Well, I mean, the more deep pools. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Do I have anything else? No. I think that's it. That does it for scuba in the news. We want to thank all our supporters, but especially our dive nitrox supporter. We have Vanessa Homiak. Thank you for donating if you think this show's at least worth a dollar why not donate go to our website www.scubobsess.com click on the patreon link and give us a little bit of donation that will certainly help uh, a lot of the money we have right now goes into hosting and bandwidth that we use with the program we're trying to expand add some new things uh, and so hopefully you can help out the more money we get, the more different opportunities we can have. We've we've upgraded Max Audio, which I need to track down and figure out why uh, he's having problems tonight. But that's one of the things we've done, and if we, we get enough, we'll be getting that video going, which is on my short list to get accomplished for a while now. 
Well, did anybody get any diving in this last week? Do you know, Kevin? Uh, I took a group out to, uh, what was it, uh, St. Joe River on Sunday. I don't know. I, I've seen some different things on Facebook about different folks getting out. Uh, oh, I think there's a group that got up out of, out of Milwaukee last week. But, um, yeah, our, our little club, we put together a four-pack. Mm-hmm. Um, Mac, uh, Mac, myself, uh, Ted, and uh, Rob went up the uh, St. Joe River, went to uh, dive the, that river wreck, which we dove, which Mac and I dove uh, three weeks ago now. Oh, so you went back uh, and visited that? Yeah, we wanted, well, I wanted to run the scanner through there. I wanted to run the hummingbird up and down a little bit, look for more of the boat, because uh, when um, Mac and I dove it, we could only see like half the boat down there. The boat, uh, I haven't put a tape on it yet, but it looks to be, I'm guessing probably, and I'll be maybe 50 feet long, plus or minus. Uh, but it, it's kind of it's kind of broken up, so it's, it's kind of disorienting when you're down there. And but we couldn't really see much of a port side. It appears to be line, you know, starboard's there, but port's gone. So uh, I wanted to run the hummingbird up and down a little bit through there and look for more of the boat, which it's a prime place for it because it's only, it varies from 4 to uh, 12 feet deep there. And we covered that little cove pretty well. Uh, saw lots of trees down there, but didn't really see any more of the boat. So I know Mac is saying that at one time there were at least two boats and possibly three there. Um, I think we have Mac, we- Mac on. Mac, you there? I'm not hearing him there. I'm not. No. I'm not hearing him either. He. he I, well, I did hear him a minute ago. I think he might be guest eight. We have a guest eight that's kind of come and gone in the chat room there. See, we can hear that was that was our. Uh, I, I can hear his mic. Could you? Because here I can. I can make him make noises. This is kind of remote control of his computer. Hear that? Yeah. Okay. I'm hearing that. You're making it on mine too. Oh, is that your computer that's doing the blink blink? Yeah. Oh, yeah. maybe maybe that's what I'm hearing. Maybe I'm not hearing Mac. Yeah, whenever you send me a Skype message, I get that little pop-up, and it beeps at me there. So, Yeah, Karen says he tried to get together with Mac yesterday. Wow. Um, no, we got, see, we, we had four people out there. Um, see, Mac opted to do uh, surface support in the boat because the current was kind of stiff and kind of tough for people getting out, in and out of the boat and the water and all that. So uh, Mac did kind of surface support. Um Ted, Rob, and myself did get in. Um, oh, it, it was not the best dive for any of us. We had a few, uh, you know, technical difficulties here and there. But that's kind of what early season diving is all about: just to kind of get, get the quirks out and see which oh, yeah. see what you got to practice, and see what equipment needs attention. And well, um, it, it's nice to do, especially at those shallower depths, because you you can, you can get you know all your gear situated. Because from from now on out, it's going to get warmer. So, well, no, not necessarily. We are, you know, we're still, this is third week in February, man. I mean, we got, we're just starting the fourth week in February. Um, we got a lot of March to get through. Um, I'm betting it's going to be, we're going we're to see some more snow. We'll see snow, but I'm not, into, I'm, I'm talking below the water. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think the water temperature is going to get much colder. I don't think it's going to get any colder than it is now. Well, yeah, it may not get, it may not get any colder. Yeah. I, I, I don't expect to see any significant warm-up for a while, though. And and Eric, Eric uh, grows things for a living. Eric knows, and he's on, he's talking telling the chat room that winter's not done. And Eric no. would know. No, winter's not done. In fact, I I had to take my wife's car in and have a whole fix in a tire. And this is the first year I've had snow tires on her car. And hmm. you know, I, I asked him. I said, "Is it is it time to to take them off?" And he says, "Normally, I'd tell you." to wait until the end of april but he says this year has been a little crazy but you know everybody in michigan knows we are going to have a snowstorm yet you know you, fe- february is usually our prime what i consider to be blizzard time i think our some of our coldest roughest weather is from the end of january to the end of february and then wherever we are at the end of the february i just look forward to it uh warming up you know average temperature wise we're going to get it's going to slowly start getting yeah, Eric's saying it reminds him of uh, 2012 with the winter. And, yeah, we've had a few winters like this. Uh, and, and they're hard to predict or get used to because you, you always feel like there's there's you're, you have the potential for another storm. 
Yeah, he's saying we had mosquitoes in March that year, and I and I think I do remember that. There was one year where uh, mosquitoes were brutal, and I and I'm thinking we may have some sort of uh, sickness. Uh, but you know, th- those we we had those two years where the winters were like really severe, though. Um, guess what? This was sixteen, seventeen, but uh, fifteen yeah. and sixteen last year was pretty mild. But yeah. then uh, the the year before that, yeah. we had ice cover in, in Lake Michigan. Uh, like we mm-hmm. hadn't had for a long time. Yeah, we we had two years back to back where it, it it was pretty severe. I mean, um, one year it was super super cold, and the next year it was uh, we had just a, a, a staggering amount of lake effect snow. So, yes, but yeah, I mean it, it's it's kind of too late now because things are things are starting to, to bud now. So it, it's it's going to hurt. It's definitely going to hurt the hurt the fruit crops, as Karen's talking about in the chat room. So. Yeah, I've I've seen some trees heavily blossomed. I've got bulbs coming up out of the ground in the yard. So this is all not good signs. So, yeah, all your your fruit farms, anything or, that rely on budded fruits, grapes, you know, your apples, your cherries, those are th- those farmers have got to be a little a little nervous right now. And it's so warm so early. You know, you're, it's hard to take preventive measures because you've, you've got a long season to do it. Uh, in fact, we had uh, one of the salespeople at work had was down in Washington, D.C., and they said the trees had not only blossomed, but they had flowered out. This is in Washington, D.C., uh, you know, on the, the 22nd of February. Well, we got Nelson in the chat room on the East Coast. I just asked him to see what's the weather like over there. I wonder if they're getting the same kind of unseasonable weather we have going on yeah at least the southern part is i don't know how uh new england area is doing mm-hmm. well do you have a shipwreck of the week you want to talk about oh you know i'm a little unprepared there i was getting a little bit too much into the notes there um well, let me see i could probably pull one up here real quick looking at a chat room thinking what people would enjoy um something we can all access and recreational, I think I did a deep one last week. So uh, let's, um, okay. Have I done the Eber Ward? I don't think I've done the Eber Ward yet, have I? Mm, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about it certainly, but I don't know if we've specifically ma- mentioned that one, but go ahead. No, actually, I did do the Eber Ward. Yes, I did. Um, I did the Cedarville, uh, which I hope I haven't done already. I guess I guess they're taking better notes on the on the wrecks of the weeks I'm doing here. But hey, Darren, if you can give me about a minute here to find some resources here. Mm-hmm. Well, but, while you're um, doing that, we'll thank WRVO Radio for putting us on the air another year. If you're into hunting, fishing, or the great outdoors, WRVO Radio has a program for you. Uh, go ahead and visit the Scuba Obsessed web website scroll on down to the bottom and we have links over to wrvo radio you can find out how to listen to all the programs 24 hours a day seven days a week all right cedarville getting this link up here for you guys sorry i wasn't quite ready for this i was in, i was enjoying i'll actually listen to the podcast like i was like like you're, a listener here. yeah just a listener hanging around i guess i gotta do some work here don't i yeah okay all right, I'm sharing the Wikipedia article for the Cedarville to the chat room. Um, Cedarville is many folks' favorite wreck dive up at the Straits. Uh, little known to most folks is that there is a uh, steel freighter uh, approximately three miles to the east of the Mackinac Bridge. Um, it's in 110 feet of water. Went down in 1965, was uh, hit in the side during a... Um, Oh, the top shell for the Swedish freighter hit them in the side. Uh, they were both going too fast in the fog. The uh, Cedarville did not sink immediately. The Cedarville, uh, actually the captain was on the, the radio with the ship's owners and was directed to uh, take it into shallower water, but not the nearest shallow water. He was told to take it out of the shipping lanes and back towards Mackinac City, which is what he did. Unfortunately, the hole on the side of the ship was just too big and water's coming in just too fast. And they were not able to make it to shallow water before the ship went down. The ship very abruptly rolled over onto its uh, oh, be its, its uh, starboard side and down she went. Uh, today she rests lying on starboard. Um, 
She's heeled over almost upside down. You know, from what I understand, the currents have pushed her more and more over the years. Uh, initially, she was almost directly on her side, and now she's um, pretty close upside down, although the superstructure is still all intact there. Um, it's really a cool dive when you're down there because um, you are looking at this upside down, almost suspended ship. You kind of wonder how, how long is the superstructure going to support this boat before it, it, it crushes it and rolls over completely. Um, but it's a magnificent wreck dive. The uh, boat is technically in two pieces. Um, when it went over and hit the bottom, you're talking a 660-foot-long uh, freighter. Well, it didn't exactly hit the bottom all at once, and the shock of it rolling over and striking the bottom uh, snapped it. And you know that's why she's broken in two pieces, but you know still right right there all together. Has a uh, <clears throat> cargo of limestone, which is kind of spilling out of some of the hatches there. Um, I want to caution our listeners. Um, just as when I spoke of the Prince Willie a few weeks ago, the uh, Cedarville, there's been a lot of diver fatalities on this wreck. This is a very, very popular wreck. People look at it in the books and say, hey, wow, this is only a, you can reach the boat at 40 feet. And true, you can. I believe the highest part of the boat is actually the propeller shaft. The propeller is gone. But, yeah, you can reach the boat at, at like 40, 45 feet there. People think it's an easy dive. Well, true. Problem is you get there and, well, now you're looking at the bottom of a boat covered with mussels and what looks like grass and a propeller shaft. It's not really appealing. I mean, that's okay, you've seen the boat, but the cool stuff starts about 75 feet. When you kind of work your way over the edge, you get to the rail, and now you're seeing the cabins. And don't go in those cabins unless you're properly trained for it, properly geared for it, experienced, have enough air. All that kind of stuff comes into play here. There have been many divers who have lost their lives on this boat due to going where they were not trained to go. So stick within your training. There have been a number of accidents on the boat. Um, some divers will come out and think this is an easy dive, and still you're in 110 feet of water. Yeah, you hit the boat at 40, but you come off the boat, and, well, you're in 110. So um, know your limits and be safe. But keep in mind this is a very, very cool dive. A lot to see there. I mean, uh, there were some things taken off the boat. The, um, I believe the ship's wheel and a lot of the uh, controls and things were, were taken off by divers over the years. Um, there's a museum exhibit. I think it was two years ago. The, um, there's, a, there's a lighthouse museum over on the Mackinac City side. Uh, in, within that museum, it has a pretty good-sized shipwreck exhibit that goes over the Cedarville... Eber Ward, uh, Sandusky, a number of the more popular straits wrecks. It's, uh, there is a, a model in there of the Cedarville, which shows it just shortly after it went down with it not being as far heeled over as it is today. Someone put an awful lot of work into that model because it's very, very accurate right down to the way the, cr- way the, way the crane lays and the um, placing on the cargo hatches. I mean, they put a lot of work into that. But this is a very cool dive. It's many folks' favorite dive. I know the Mud Club goes up there every year, and uh, this is uh, Jim and Bob's first dive. This is one that this is their favorite dive, and I understand it. It's cool. So if you can get up there, um, the numbers posted on Michigan Preserves are accurate. Plus, it's also buoyed. It'll have three mooring lines to it. Um, this is a very cool wreck. If you can get there, do this one, but stay within your limits. And that's one of those wrecks that I I want to get on. Uh, I've been up north a couple times when the dive club likes to go in that Labor Day weekend time frame, uh, but we didn't do Cedarville those years. And uh, the years I didn't go, everybody's been hitting the Cedarville. So by the time I get back up there again, everybody will be bored with it and it'll be old hat. But that's, uh, you know, it's one of the deeper ones. And there can be some. Uh, current challenges on that wreck. So certainly good advice to be safe. Yeah, you're right. The uh, current times is just ripping through there. There are a number of wrecks at the Straits which are known for having strong current. Uh, Minneapolis, in my experience, has got the, has 
the most likely to have strong current on it. But uh, the uh, Stalker has strong current, and the Cedarville does too. The Cedarville um, does sometimes it's manageable, sometimes it's not. Uh, you just have to you have to know your limits. And when you're going down that mooring line, and you're a flag on a pole, you know yeah. maybe you shouldn't be there. So yeah, if you're worried if you uh, let go of the line that you're going to be 20 miles away, that's probably an indication that's not the best place to dive mm-hmm. or the best time to dive that wreck. Yeah, I, I know when I was up there two years ago with uh, Bob and Jim, uh, I got in the water. And that current was just ripping, and I said, "Nope, I'm out." I called it. You know, Bob and Jim went ahead with, with their dive, and I was I was good. You know, I didn't feel like uh, fighting the current like that. So, and Karen is rec- Karen in the uh, chat room is recommending the uh, Jenny Lynn and the Leviathan. Those are kind of over more towards Sheboygan, not too far from the Straits, and uh, those are really good beginner wrecks. All of the Jenny Lynn is uh, completely intact, so a really nice uh, about a forty foot tugboat sitting down there. Really cool dive. Yeah. Leviathan and, and, is. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, I'll go ahead and talk about the Leviathan. I'll I'll mention another wreck. Okay, the Leviathan and the uh, Genesee Chief are there in the um, Duncan Bay, not far from the campground, and they're nice, easy dives. You can snorkel them. You can see them from the surface real nicely too. Uh, the the, the uh, state park rents out uh, kayaks you can take out there uh, for like twenty bucks. You get a kayak for like two hours. You go out and see the shipwrecks in the bay. Yeah, yeah, and I was going to recommend the chief, the Genesee chief, because that's a that's another one. That's a nice and shallow, and it's and very close to the surface. And the water is clear there. I mean, it's any time I've been up there, we've had excellent visibility. Uh, quite a bit different than what we can sometimes get here in the southern part of the state. Yeah, um, and that Duncan Bay, it used to all be uh, sand and gravel bottom, from what Mac was telling me. I guess in more recent years, it's got a lot more organic material in there. And so the visibility is not what it used to be, but still pretty decent. I mean, um, I don't know. Uh, you know, we usually have like 20-foot vis up there anyway. Yeah. So which yeah. not for being so shallow. Yeah, that's that's what I've seen has been, a, I think 20 feet was about the worst I saw there. And it wasn't like uh, a normal sediment feeling. It was just, I don't know, it's, it's different than like when we have 20 feet foot viz down here there's a lot of algae and other items in the water and up, up there just uh when you had low visit i think it was it felt more like it was current related just stirring stuff up well and we had a listener uh steve zimmerman um messaged me the other day and he was talking about interesting doing some kayaking and was pointing out how uh you could see the duncan bay wrecks from google earth and I was really surprised that uh, you could even make out the Jenny Lynn, which is in um, like like twenty feet of water. Pretty good from Google Earth. And not, I mean, you could you could make out the shape of the um, of the uh, the cabins on the Jenny Lynn from Google Earth. But that was pretty cool. Wow. Um, yeah, and you could see Le- Leviathan and Genesee Chief and some other things up there too, which uh, we're going to have to investigate. So. Yeah, Steve's got it. Steve Zerman has a pretty good eye for stuff on Google Earth up there. So, and did I lose you? Oh no, no, I'm still here. No, it just no. it just got real quiet. I'm just running out of steam. Okay, that that that, that, that does happen from time to time. So, yeah. well, I'd like to encourage everybody if you're enjoying the show, as, as we've talked about, we appreciate the Patreon support. But if you can also leave us a five star review on iTunes, that helps gets listeners to the program. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com forward slash scoopobsessed. Uh, I've not been a big one for promoting fans on Facebook. Uh, I, we don't buy ads on Facebook to get people to go and, and like the page. So some some unless you're a celebrity and you usually don't see a lot of uh, likes on a, on a casual Facebook page, but we are at 469, so it would be nice to hit that 500 mark. So if you're on Facebook and you haven't liked the page, why not go over and do that? It would be kind of cool just to hit that milestone. Uh, we're also on Twitter, at Scoob Obsessed. Um, and on the website, if you want to leave us a message, you can do so. we got the contact form for there. And, and we haven't talked about uh, putting a pin in our fan map. But if you go to the uh, our website, www.scoobobsessed.com, uh, we do have a fan map where you can put a pin in, and it will let us see where you are listening. And if you want to be anonymous, you can be anonymous. We don't 
require that it's a valid address. We just appreciate if it was a somewhat valid location. And then you get to see of all the fellow divers in your area who listen to the program. And one of the best things you can do is talk to somebody else who's into diving and encourage them to listen. So that will also help us out. you have anything you want to plug, Kevin? Absolutely. I want to um, recommend our listeners uh, support the local dive shops. Those uh, you know, let you get the dive, get the bargains online, but those bargains online aren't going to fill your scuba tanks. Also, we encourage them to uh, use your local libraries, support them, vote for them in the millages. We want to keep those libraries around. There is such a wealth of information which you're only going to find in pages. You're not going to find everything on the internet. And I once heard that everything on the internet isn't, isn't true. Oh, well, most of it. You know, especially those, it. especially those, those two-headed dragon stories. Those are, though, we know those are all true. Absolutely, yeah. Well, once again, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, again, thank our Patreon supporters, uh, Vanessa Homiak, for uh, being a Dive Nitrox supporter. Uh, every little bit helps. And uh, you know, if you have any questions or anything you want us to do, drop us a line. You can do so at the show at Scuba Obsessed. Uh, that will eventually snake its way to us. And we'll go, and then hopefully we'll see many of you at the Our World Underwater Show in Chicago, Illinois, starting February 21st, uh, 20, not 21st, 24th through the 26th, which is a Sunday. So we'll, we're going to, uh, Jim Schultz will be there on Friday. He's probably going to be in some seminars, so you may have to go looking for him. Should be in a, did he, did he grab a, a shirt today? Uh, no, he did not. Him and I could not make, uh, Okay. connections there unfortunately so okay so i'm not not sure if he'll have a shirt on or not but uh, uh jim will be there on friday and then uh kevin mack and myself will be there on sun saturday so saturday, saturday we'll yep. yep and I, I kind of feel guilty i shouldn't but we've been doing uh, the robotics build for the last six and a half weeks and they're building their backup robot so they're going to continue there's they're still in the construction process so i'm taking the first day off since that build season has started, and I, and I have to say I feel a little guilty for it. But I think I'll get over it. Uh, looking at some dive gear, dive locations, and a, a nice dive show will certainly be worth it. Yeah, it's a, I mean, our world underwater, it's a, a great way to get your uh, scuba diving season started. They've got, you know, so many vendors there, different, uh, it's an awful lot of travel destinations there, different historical societies will be there. You're going to have uh, a booth from the um, the Michigan Preserves, you're going to have, uh, of course, the folks who do all the presentations are roaming around as well. You, you get to rub elbows and chit-chat with them, too. Um, they have all the different shows, the different seminars going on. So, yeah, it's it, it's it, it's a very worthwhile uh, show to hit. So I, I go to it every year. Yeah, I, I think I missed, I know I missed last year, and I may have missed the year before, but uh, I, I've been to that show four or five times. It's, it's a nice dive show. And there's always a little uh, odds and ends you get. It seems like there's a new piece of equipment I didn't realize I needed that you can go there and pick up. And then there's manufacturers. You have uh, wetsuit, dry suit, uh, rebreathers were popular the last time I I got there. So, mm-hmm. I see. Uh, are we gonna have a show next week? I know that you that your robotics uh, yes, gonna we'll, pull you away from. Here. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a show next week. It'll be the week after that. I'm not sure. Um, I haven't okay. decided. Maybe we'll you know if. We'll, we'll talk about some of this offline, but, um, you know, if we can get one recorded maybe in advance or, you know, if you and Mac are up to it, but we really got to get Mac's audio worked out because that would, that's a challenge you don't need to be worried about when you're trying to, to record a show. So, so if you're ready, we, I guess we are to that time of the show. Is there anybody in the chat room at the last minute saying we needed to get going? No, it looks like we're, we're clear for it. So are you ready? I'm ready as I'm going to be. Okay. A 50-year-old woman had a heart attack and was taken to the hospital. Well, in the operating table, she was had a near-death experience seeing God. She asked, is my time up? God said, no, you have another 43 years, two months and eight days to live. Upon recovery, the woman decided uh, to stay in the hospital and have a facelift, liposuction, breast implants, and a tummy tuck. She even had someone come in and change her hair color and brighten her teeth. Since she had so much time to live... She figured she might as well make the most of it. After the last operation, she was released from the hospital. While crossing the street on her way home, she was killed by an ambulance. Arriving in front of God, she demanded, I thought you said I had another 43 years. Why didn't you pull me out of the path of the ambulance? God replied, I didn't recognize you. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. All right. We can, thank, we can thank Rod for that one. <laughs> so thanks, Rod. So until next time, go out there and get wet. And for Max, stay safe and have a good time doing it. completed. Well, thanks for the link there, Karen. See what we have on this program coming up here.